Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Heidi just threatened me with uh, charging me $20 for every time we have to restart recording a podcast. So, so far, I have rent paid, so uh, <laughs> just keep on keeping on, and I'll keep charging you every time you make me restart this podcast. All right. Well, <laughs> that's a good way to start this topic. There you go. What does it take to be saved? This topic is has come to me in many different ways over the past few weeks. Um, so I've been, I've been wanting to uh, tackle it. It's been something that I've been re-brushing up on and re-studying and kind of looking at the arguments on both sides of it. Um, it's, it's something that I always, I, I had reconciled in my own mind a long time ago. Um, but it's, it's something that I know the, the Christianity is very confused on. And one of the ways that this question came to me was um, by a, f a church member of ours that had uh, been reading 1 Corinthians and they came across 1, 1 Corinthians one twenty one, uh, which says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe and what got her thinking was she this person had had a background of church of christ so in her sunday school they uh kind of ingrained in her that you have to hear believe confess repent and be baptized to be saved uh, and then she goes on in her question to say most churches today say that all you have to do is believe, say a quick prayer, and you're safe forever. And then she says, if I'm reading that correctly, how many millions and billions of souls or billions of souls are doomed because of this particular reason? That's a great question because, um, you know, we, what... What you have there in this question is two different doctrines. Okay, you're talking about your um, church of your the Church of Christ background. You have the must hear, believe, confess, repent, and be baptized. That's heretical. There's there's that's works based salvation right there. You do not absolutely you absolutely do not have to be baptized to be saved. That's a very popular doctrine that that church in particular teaches, which is not, that's, it's not in scripture. What they're doing is, is mishandling verses in scripture. And, um, you know, the, it's just an in, in, incorrect interpretation, which we're, I'm, I'm not going to go into them. Um, but that, that's definitely not the, the correct way. So that's, that's the extreme of that, which I'm just going to boil down to what most people would consider lordship salvation, saying that you have got to do something in order to be saved. That's what they, they believe that that term means. Okay, so, and then the other side of this would be um, when she says in the message, most churches today say that all you have to do is believe that's what we would consider easy believism. There's it, both of these terms have been coined. So it's lordship salvation, which would mean there's more than just saying an easy little prayer to be saved. And then there's easy believism that says, well, you just all you have to do is say a prayer. So I using got questions as uh, a start point. I'm going to go ahead and and go through both. Of those views for you real quick here we'll start with e we'll start with lordship salvation um what is lordship salvation um what's important in these is that these terms turn off christians and these terms get christians fighting people that know these terms they you know there's 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 arguments on both sides of these that are just absolutely unfruitful and ridiculous. And in the end of the day, it's like, why are we Christians, you know, who, who, 
um, you know, have salvation. Why are we arguing about this? Why? I mean, we, we all know that, you know, th- there should be something that we can have and, and all come around to and, and not have this argument. It, it shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be this divisive in the church. But with lordship salvation, most people just shudder when they hear that. They'll, that's, I mean, they'll instantly cry heresy. They'll, they'll point to John MacArthur and, and call MacArthur a heretic because uh, MacArthur pretty much coined this term as we'll go on to read here. But, um, and then we'll give another quick view it um, uh, a little bit more on, on Lordship Salvation too in another form. But the answer here on Got Questions says, the doctrine of Lordship Salvation teaches that submitting to Christ as Lord goes hand in hand with trusting in Christ as Savior. Lordship Salvation is the opposite of what is sometimes called easy believism, or the teaching that salvation comes through an acknowledgement of a certain set of facts. John MacArthur, whose book, The Gospel According to Jesus, lays out the case for Lordship Salvation, summarizes the teaching this way. The gospel call to faith presupposes that sinners must repent of their sin and yield to Christ's authority. In other words, a sinner who refuses to repent is not saved, for he cannot cling to his sin and the Savior at the same time. And a sinner who rejects Christ's authority in his life does not have saving faith, for true faith encompasses a surrender to God. Thus, the gospel requires more than making an intellectual decision or mouthing a prayer. The gospel message is a call to discipleship. The sheep will follow their shepherd in submissive obedience. Advocates of Lordship Salvation point to Jesus' repeated warnings to the religious hypocrites of his day as proof that simply agreeing to to spiritual facts does not save a person. There must be a heart change. Jesus emphasized the high cost of discipleship. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple, Luke 14, 27. And those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples, in verse 32. In the same passage, Jesus speaks of counting the cost. Elsewhere, he stresses total commitment. No one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God, Luke 9:62. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that eternal life is a narrow path found by only a few, Matthew 7, 14. In contrast, easy believism seeks to broaden the path so that anyone who has a profession of faith can enter. Jesus says that every good tree bears good fruit. In contrast, easy believism says that a tree can still be good and bear nothing but bad fruit. Jesus says that many who say, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom. In contrast, easy believism teaches that saying, Lord, Lord, is good enough. Lordship salvation teaches that a true profession of faith will be backed up by evidence of faith. If a person is truly following the Lord, then he or she will obey the Lord's instructions. A person who is living in willful, unrepentant sin has obviously not chosen to follow Christ. Because Christ calls us out of sin and into righteousness. Indeed, the Bible clearly teaches that faith in Christ will result in a changed life. They reference 2 Corinthians 5.17, Galatians 5.22 and 23, and James 2.14-26. Lordship salvation is not a salvation by works doctrine. Advocates of lordship salvation are careful to say that salvation is by grace alone. That believers are saved before their faith will ever produce any good works, and that Christians can and do sin. However, true salvation will inevitably lead to a changed life. The saved will be dedicated to their Savior. A true Christian will not feel comfortable living in unconfessed, unforsaken sin. Here are nine teachings that set lordship salvation apart from easy believism. Before we go into these nine points here, I want to note, I personally, and the way that I'm going to answer the question is I lean towards lordship salvation, not 
how it is defined by the 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 little bit that I read on top. I think we need to redefine it a little bit better. I don't like the wording there. It does very much in the beginning sound a little bit too you know like a little bit too works based if 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 that would make sense so i i don't like the way that the beginning of that was worded but they still give a great definition to it and explain that they are careful by by acknowledging the fact that it is not a salvation by works doctrine it is not i i know there's people just kicking and screaming and moaning right now and, and just punching things because i just said that but no it is not it is absolutely not and we're gonna try to go into a little bit more of that here but um i lean more on the lordship salvation side um but as with anything with when you have two separate you know interpretations views arguments on something yeah, the truth is always in the middle of of these two fights and in these two doctrines and in this case this is absolutely the case because it's in the middle of well in 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 the reason why we say that is because that's what we see in scripture that's why people have many like hard time reconciling james with paul's writings but the thing is is it's not they're they're they marry together perfectly it's absolutely you are saved by faith in Christ alone. That's it. That's it. However, that faith comes with an acknowledgement of sin and a changed life. And that sets it apart from easy believism. And both sides accuse each other of things that are just, they're not true on either side. So we have to find that middle and understand that, that no, it's not necessarily, you know, like that's why I said, I don't like the wording. It's not this necessarily submitting to this lordship and you've got to do a certain set of things before you're considered saved. But at the same time, it's a heck of a lot more and we do a big disservice to not say and teach repentance because when we don't, we, we have... We, we, we have a whole bunch of people that we just shepherded into a whole bunch of goats. I mean, we have no sheep when we do that. There is no, you know, it, it, it's the tares church that we're building up when we go for this easy believism. Well, we just, you just believe in Jesus and, and, and the rest will work itself out. That, that never has been the case whatsoever. The case has always been with accept this forgiveness with the acknowledgement of turning from your sin and moving on. You don't have to get it all perfect right when you come to salvation. No, this will happen over time and you'll be purified, but that comes with this acknowledgement of sin, which is the same argument that MacArthur has. So anybody that says that he teaches salvation by works, that's, that's simply not true. But these nine points here, repentance going to point number one, repentance is not a synonym for faith. Scripture teaches that sinners must exercise faith in conjunction with repentance. In Acts 2.38, 17.30, 20, 21, 2 Peter 3.9, repentance is a change of mind from the embrace of sin and rejection of Christ to a rejection of sin and an embrace of Christ. It's Acts 3.19, Luke 24.47. And even this is a gift from God, 2 Timothy 2.25. Genuine repentance, which comes when a person submits to the Lordship of Christ, cannot help but result in a change of behavior, Luke 3.8, Acts 26.18-20. So that's the point, the first point there. I don't necessarily like the way that that's worded, but to simplify it, this repentance is a rejection of, of your acknowledgement and your rejection of that sin and you're turning that. So you're not just changing your mind about who Christ is and, and, and what he has done for you. This comes with action. And the Hebrew word for repentance and the idea of repentance will back that up a little bit later on here. Um, but this comes from a, a, a turning and an acknowledgement of something, a faithful, a faithful 
presentation of the gospel message should include repentance from sin and and sin. I mean, that's what the, the, the gospel message is. So, you know, no, it, it, it's a, it, it takes a lot more than, than just saying a prayer. You need to understand what sin is. You need to be able to identify it before you ever need to know that you need a savior. Well, I need to be saved just because I'm a sinner for, well, okay, like what is, what's sin? Well, I mean, I have to understand, I at least, and, and, and we all in our hearts know usually, I mean, we have, we understand right and wrong. I mean, we just the acknowledgement of tying these things like to somebody saying that, yes, this is sin. You know, uh, having this acknowledgement, oh man, I do that, I need to stop. I mean, it's just a, it's just a natural action. It's not a work. So uh, that's just an important note there. But I, I, I do agree with anybody that would be critical of the, the, the wording of that, of submitting to the Lordship of Christ, even though that is the term to use. Okay, so point number two, a Christian is a new creation and cannot just stop believing and lose salvation. Faith itself is a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 and 8. <clears throat> and real faith endures forever. Philippians 1, 6. Salvation is all God's work, not man's. Those who believe in Christ as Lord are saved apart from any effort of their own. Titus 3, 5. It's important to note, though, that salvation is the gift and faith is the result. And yes, technically faith itself is a gift. It's important to make that distinction because people will say that faith itself is the gift and not salvation. And that's not correct. Did that make sense, Heidi? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. My so? mic was off. I no, no, you're it. fine. Yeah. I, does, does that make sense thus I far? Yeah. I haven't, I haven't confused you yet. Have I? I I'm tracking. Anyways, okay. You're so. tracking anyways. <laughs> well, hopefully everybody else is, but you've been married to me for a long time. So I don't know but. if that makes it better or worse. I don't know if it's because we've been married and been together for so long that I just like know what you're thinking regardless of what you say. Or if we've been together for so long that I easily can be like, no, no, no. Like you're trying to say this, but you mean to say that. I think maybe. It's, yeah. Which could be a problem for somebody listening. Anyway, you're tracking here. So it, it is important to, to say that, that faith is this result. And yes, that, that faith technically would be a gift, but salvation is the gift. Um, and and you, you come to that salvation in faith. So there, there's a process there that, that people will mess up on, on um, and, and argue with that on each side. So we have to be careful of how we... Um, word that or say these things um to to anybody else i guess that that point wouldn't matter but uh i know to to anybody that would be kind of confused we have to be careful of that so um continuing on point two i'll just reread point two real quick it says a christian is a new creation cannot just stop believing and lose salvation faith itself is a gift from god ephesians 2 1 through 5 and 8 and real faith endures forever. Philippians 1.6. Salvation is all God's work, not man's. Those who believe in Christ as Lord are saved apart from any effort of their own. Titus 3.5. Point three. The object of faith is Christ himself, not a promise, a prayer, or a creed. John 3.16. Faith must involve a personal commitment to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.15. It is more than being convinced of the truth of the gospel it is a forsaking of this world and following of the master the lord jesus said my sheep listen to my voice i know them and they follow me john 10 27 point number four true faith always produces a changed life second corinthians 5 17 the inner person is transformed by the holy spirit galatians 2 20 and the Christian has a new nature, Romans 6, 6. Those with genuine faith, those who are submitted to the Lordship of Christ, follow Jesus, John 10, 27. Love their brothers, 1 John 3, 14. Obey God's commandments, 1 John 2, 3. John 15, 14. Do the will of God, Matthew 12, 50. Abide in God's word, John 8, 31. Keep God's word, 
John 17.6, do good works, Ephesians 2.10, and continue in the faith, Colossians 1.21-23, and Hebrews 3.14. Salvation is not adding Jesus to the pantheon of one's idols. It is a wholesale destruction of the idols with Jesus reigning supreme. Point five, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. 2 Peter 1.3, Romans 8.32 Salvation, then, is not just a ticket to heaven. It is the means by which we are sanctified practically in this life and by which we grow in grace. Scripture teaches that the Lord of all, and this is point six, so point six, Scripture teaches that Jesus is Lord of all. Christ demands unconditional surrender to his will. Romans 6, 17 and 18, and 10, 9 and 10. Those who believe in rebellion, those who live in rebellion to God's will do not have eternal life, for God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble, James 4, 6. And point seven, those who truly believe in Christ will love him. 1 Peter 1, 8, 9, Romans 8, 28 through 30, 1 Corinthians 16, 22. And those, we, and those we love long to please, John 14, 15, and 23. Point eight, scripture teaches that behavior is an important test of faith. Obedience is evidence that one's faith is genuine. 1 John 2, 3. If a person remains unwilling to obey Christ, he provides evidence that his faith is in name only. 1 John 2.4 A person may claim Jesus as Savior and pretend to obey for a while, but if there is no heart change, his true nature will eventually manifest itself. This was the case for Judas Iscariot. Genuine believers may stumble and fall, but they will persevere in the faith. 1 Corinthians 1.8 this was the case for Simon Peter, a believer who completely turned away from the Lord, plainly shows that he was never born again to begin with. 1 John 2.19 A person who has been delivered from sin by faith in Christ should not desire to remain in a life of sin. Romans 6.2 Of course, spiritual growth can occur quickly or slowly, depending on the person and his circumstances. And the changes may not be evident to everyone at first. Ultimately, God knows who are his sheep, and he will mature each of us according to his perfect timetable. Is it possible to be a Christian and live in lifelong carnality, enjoying the pleasures of sin and never seeking to glorify the Lord who brought him? Can a sinner spurn the Lordship of Christ, yet lay claim to him as Savior? Can someone pray a sinner's prayer and go about his life as if nothing had happened and still call himself a Christian? Lordship salvation says no. Let us not give unrepentant sinners false hope. Rather, let us declare the whole counsel of God. You must be born again. John 3, 7. And they based that article a lot off of um, John MacArthur's book, The Gospel According to Jesus, which is very touchy to a lot of people in this subject. Okay, um, I side strongly with MacArthur's sermon on this. Um, his, it was one of his newer ones that he did. I will try to link it below. I have to find it, but um, uh, his, his sermon on this and what repentance is uh, he, he goes into this topic and he clarifies a lot of what people would have had as misconceptions of what he says. And, and obviously the first thing to say is that it's a works-based doctrine and that's not true. Uh, because simply all it states and it's whether that this is what MacArthur teaches or believes is not the argument here, but what the truth is is the the teaching simply states that somebody cannot continue to live in unrepentant sin while having the label as Christian. Okay, it doesn't just work itself out. This this believer, if they continue just years into you know their sin and have no 
no signs of fruit or repentance, we, we, can, we can obviously assume through Scripture that this conversion was a false conversion. And we have, we, we have the, the duty to preach the gospel and to preach sin and repentance. And by not just telling people that all you need to do is save this prayer, well, that's heretical. And that's called easy believism. And this is to where I, you know, to the extremes of lordship salvation to the people that, you know, would, would call this a workspace doctrine. Okay, I, I agree with, I agree with you and I don't agree with the extremes of lordship salvation. The submitting to Christ's lordship wording is not something that I, I really appreciate or like. Um, I think it, it gives a false idea, but defined properly it's it really doesn't um so i I guess if we want to fight about definitions you're right because i i I don't like the definitions to either of these i think even easy believism uh is is a term that i I don't even i wouldn't like if i held to this teaching i i think it's i I think it's one of those terms that we you know we we jab at each other uh, sometimes, and I think it's a jab, but unfortunately, it's what the doctrine is known by. To anybody that that falls fully in this category, um, you know, I, I don't mean it to be a jab because it, basically, we we just understand um, things a little bit differently. But um, to easy believism, this one definitely isn't as long, so don't worry. Um, they identify it as thus. Easy believism is a somewhat derogatory term used by opponents of the view that one needs only to believe in Jesus in order to be saved. From this, they conclude that those who hold to sola fide, faith alone, teach that no corresponding need exists for a committed life of Christian discipleship as proof of salvation. However, that is not what sola fide means. True faith in Christ will always lead to a changed life. Another common common usage of the term easy believism is in regards to those who believe they're saved because they prayed a prayer with no real conviction of sin and no real faith in Christ. Praying a prayer is easy, thus the term easy believism. But there is more to salvation than mouthing words. Much of the debate over easy believism is unnecessary and is based on a misunderstanding of the scriptures. The Bible is clear that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The essence of this doctrine is found in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, which reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is of the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. Okay. For by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we see that faith given as a gift by God is what saves us. But the next verse tells us of the results of that salvation. For we are his workmanship, and this is very important, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, rather than being saved by some easy act of our own wills, we are saved by the hand of God Almighty, by his will and for his use, we are his servants. And from the moment of salvation by faith, we embark on a journey of preordained good works that are the evidence of that salvation. If there is no evidence of growth and good works, we have reason to doubt that salvation ever truly took place. Faith without works is dead, James 2.20. And a dead faith is not a saving faith. Faith alone does not mean that some believers follow Christ into a life of discipleship while others do not. The concept of the carnal Christian as a separate category of non-spiritual believer is completely unscriptural. 
The idea of a carnal Christian says that a person may receive Christ as Savior during a religious experience, but never manifest evidence of a changed life. This is a false and dangerous teaching in that it excuses various ungodly lifestyles. A man may be an unrepentant adulterer, liar, or thief, but he's quote-unquote saved because he prayed a prayer as a child. He's just a quote-unquote carnal Christian. The Bible nowhere supports the idea that a true Christian can remain carnal for an entire lifetime. Rather, God's word presents only two categories of people, Christians and non-Christians, believers and unbelievers, those who have bowed to the lordship of Christ and those who have not. He references John 3.36, Romans 6.17 and 18, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Galatians 5, 18 through 24, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, 1 John 1, 5 through 7, and 2, 3 through 4. A lot of those are the ones that we read in the other one. Uh, but continuing on, while the security of salvation is a biblical fact based upon the finished work of, finished work of salvation by Christ, it is certainly true that some of those who have seemed to have made a decision or accepted Christ may not genuinely be saved. As noted before, true salvation is not so much our accepting Christ as it is his accepting us. We are saved by the power of God for the purpose of God, and that purpose includes the works that give evidence of our conversion. Those who continue to walk according to the flesh are not believers, Romans 8, 5 through 8. This is why Paul exhorts us to examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. The carnal Christian who examines himself will see that he or she is not in the faith. James 2.19 says, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. The type of belief demons have can be compared to the intellectual assent made by those who believe in Jesus in the fact that he exists or that he was a good person. Many unbelievers say, I believe in God or I believe in Jesus. Others say, I prayed a prayer and the preacher said I was saved. But such prayers and such belief do not necessarily signal a change of heart. The problem is a misunderstanding of the word believe. With true salvation comes genuine repentance and real life change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that those who are in Christ are a new creation. Is it possible that the new person Christ creates is one who continues to walk in the carnality of the flesh? No. Salvation is certainly free, but at the same time it costs us everything. We are to die to ourselves as we change into the likeness of Christ. Where easy believism fails is its lack of recognition that a person with faith in Jesus will lead a progressively changed life. Salvation is a free gift from God to those who believe, but discipleship and obedience are the response that will no doubt occur when one truly comes to faith in Christ. They, I thought they did really good with um, easy believism there and both of that with, with defining this term. Um, it is a somewhat derogatory term, but this is something that... Um, a lot of people truly believe. Um, I found out that I didn't realize that there's a large majority of Calvary chapels who hold to this easy believism. Um, one is within my own family uh, because that was the response that we had got that I had gotten back. Not not I had gotten back, but somebody sent to me um, from, from a little experiment that they did that I had no, no idea that was going on, but it was inside of my family. So, but anyway, they, uh, sent me the, the, uh, response to it. And what this was, it was Paul Washer's sermon of examine yourself. Somebody, um, sent that to one of my family members and got a response back. And, uh, uh, they shared it with me and they said, okay, yeah, I agree with it, but he teaches, continued repentance and salvation by works and that's that's a false teaching and you know um also he mentions just saying a prayer doesn't get you saved that uh, they disagreed they said that yes it does and um 
you know, they said, be cautious of anybody trying to add works to salvation. Um, you know, that makes it works-based salvation like what the Catholic Church was doing. That's, that's the summary of what the message said. And that's when I realized, I was like, oh, wow. I did not realize how off people were on this topic until I went back in and looked at it from both sides. Because, um, you know, it's not something that uh, the church normally, um, you know, I, I guess it's not something that a lot of people don't bring up, um, especially the way in the church that we have today, because uh, we have, you know, a, a large majority of the church today is in complete apostasy, uh, which anybody that that ha that believes a new belief is, or or buys to that doesn't necessarily believe that the church is in complete apostasy, and it, you know, who are we to judge? And that's all kinds of different things that you will give that you will get back. But again, you know, this, this Lordship salvation that we just read about this idea of that is, is absolutely not a works-based doctrine. It's, it's, it's a simple, it, it's a scriptural doctrine. And, you know, this article mentioned in the easy believism side that, um, the misunderstanding comes from the word believe. I tend I somewhat disagree with that. Yes, it does come from believe, but it more so comes from the misunderstanding of the word repentance. As we, I mentioned earlier, um, at least I'm pretty sure I did. We've done like so many of these podcasts, but if I didn't, um, this, this boils down to a misunderstanding of the word repentance because the Greek word, which we usually build off our theology off of which is fine it works um carries a slightly different meaning than the hebrew word for repentance so the the greek word is metanoia and the hebrew word is teshuva or shuva and they they both carry somewhat the same idea the greek word boils down to changing one's mind basically literally changing uh, one's mind the hebrew word means return and like do a complete 360 back to your previous state um, but it also carries much deeper understanding and it did for the jews um, this and this is where repentance is not only a new testament doctrine um in being able to identify this this is something that's the word repentance is used 65 times in the esv throughout from genesis to revelation um, and we have all sorts of examples in in first kings chronicles i'll, I'll read a few of them um but Basically, the understanding, I mean, the, the Jews already had an understanding of what repentance was. And for them, they, I mean, they had a whole day attributed to this. I mean, this is what, um, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Like, that's, that's what the whole point of Yom Kippur is. is this is a whole, whole time of repentance, acknowledging one sin not only against how you may have sinned against your brother but how you you ultimately sin against god and um this is you know over this time it was a very solemn time for them and they they had this recognition of what they had done wrong um so for for us in the church today even my some of my favorite teachers and my dispensational brothers that that teach solid teaching they they teach this um the 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 other side of it this the the greek word side of it where it's it's a, just a change of mind about who christ is and about about what he has done so in saving faith we're not it would be changing his mind about needing uh, any works-based righteousness or anything to get you into the kingdom. It's just changing your mind about that, and Christ has accomplished everything. That's it. And that's the way they teach it. And I, I don't see how they pull that out. That's why um, a lot of them do have a problem with John MacArthur. And, and most of the resources that I you know, that I read and, and went through, obviously... Um, we're, we're all just dogging MacArthur hard. But what I noticed is that 
us dispensationalists didn't even give a fair assessment. And, and John MacArthur is what he calls a, a leaky dispensationalist. But we didn't give a fair assessment um, to, to what John was teaching at all. I mean, they just, they just dog him and they say that he's teaching faith. He's teaching this by works and all these different things. And that's not the case at all. And I don't know how they don't, how we interpret scripture the same and how they don't see what John's saying. Like I'm, I'm on John's side here because on John's um, sermon about repentance, he, he goes into a lot of what I just said about um, the, the, the history of the actual word and, and what it meant to the Jews and, and, and uses as an example of saying like, no, it's not that we need to have this all perfect and we need to come to the table right, but we, we have this general knowledge of, hey, I'm a sinner. I need to stop doing these things and follow Christ. Like that acknowledgement when we come to salvation. Uh, that's why, um, actually, Heidi, you're here now. So um, we talk about, that's why a lot of people have a problem with J.D. Farag's ABCs mm -hmm. of Salvation. Yeah. Is because on the A, there is admit that you're a sinner and believe in in Christ. And so they they have a problem with that whole admit part. And, and my challenge to that is where, how do you think we got to the church that we got to today? By not teaching sin and repentance and explaining to people, hey, these things, these are, you know, you cannot, you do not have to have this perfect, but it, it takes a little bit more than just saying this prayer and just pronouncing salvation on somebody. I mean, and just praying that it just works out in the end. No, we're, we're not teaching truth when we do that. So it, it is on, there is a line that we have to walk to where we can't add anything to this and we can't say that you have to get to a certain extent before you can even come here. So no, you know, we, we don't need to say that, but we need to bring this acknowledgement of sin. And that's where, like, I don't understand how we don't get to this because using these references again um look at first kings eight forty seven. yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they had been carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captors saying we have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly okay so I mean, that makes no sense. If, if they repent, to, if you were just to say that it, it just means to have a change of mind about God, so we would, lead that, we would read that as thus, have been carried captor and just have a change of mind about God and plead with you in their land of their captor saying we have sinned and acted. It doesn't make sense there. Can you see where I'm going there? It, it, it doesn't. It, what did they do? It says, if you turn... We have sinned and acted perversely and wickedly, acknowledging that I'm a sinner. In the very next verse, if they repent with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who carried them captive and pray toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name. In 2 Chronicles 6.37, Yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you in their land of captivity, saying, We have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly. That's recording what First Kings did. It's the same word and the same idea there. In Psalm 7.12, If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has been bent and readied his bow. Psalm 78, 34, when he killed them, they sought him. They repented and sought God earnestly. So they repented, they turned from their sin and sought God earnestly. Zion in Isaiah 1, 27 shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness. So redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness. Jeremiah 5, 3, O Lord, do not, do not your eyes look for truth. You have struck them down, but they felt no anguish. You have consumed them, but they refused to take correction. 
They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to repent. This clearly carries an idea more than just having a change of mind about God. This 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 require this in, this this is included with action. It's that James like faith without work like you got to do something. Faith without works is dead. You have to do something actively turn. Realize at least hey, I'm a sinner. Third time maybe fifth time I've said it though. You we don't have to worry about getting it correctly at first. You're not going to get everything perfect. It's a process. You're not going to, and I mean, if you're going to do anything for the rest of your life, it's definitely sin. We're not going to aim to, but of course you will, but you will find yourself moving out of that sin. Podcast, the podcast that we did yesterday, I mean, we can, I talked a little bit about that there. Um, but I mean, we, and, and we can go into further into the prophets, Ezekiel 14, six, therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent and turn away from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. Ezekiel 18.30, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. And, you know, and then they, that, those are just the Old Testament references. The, the um, you know, the, the New Testament references like Matthew 21, 41. The men of Nineveh will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. They repented at the preaching of Jonah. In Mark, I mean, in Mark 1, 4, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In six, so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Luke 3, 8, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Luke 5.32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we, you get the point there. This is, this is, repentance is a huge part of this. And basically it boils down to This and again, what people will say is that okay. So by teaching this repentance, this is continued repentance, and you're adding something to faith. That is not true at all. You're still saved by faith alone. When you come to the Lord, when the Lord opens your eyes, because this is an action that we have, we don't, we don't have anything to do with this. The Lord draws us to him through the faithful proclamation of the gospel from a person who preaches sin and, and more just as a, a, a turning from God. It doesn't add anything to it. So once this person has their eyes opened and hears the message faithfully proclaimed, at the same time they realize that's why they were coming in 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 wailing in repentance for they realized their sin. I mean, we have in the book of Romans tells us we have a conscience to know right and wrong. So if our conscience tells us right and wrong, why is it so hard to say that we can have an acknowledgement of sin while when we come to salvation? Why would that why would that be adding a work to something? It's not. It's it's simply explaining an understanding. So these jabs back and forth with 
saying that that it it takes some sort of set of of things that you have to do in order to have salvation okay that that's the extreme of lordship salvation and then easy believism well you just say a prayer don't worry about everything it'll work itself out that's also false so these jabs of, of both of these going back and forth we have to land in the middle and say no it is by grace through faith that we are saved in Christ alone. Sola fide. But there is at least an acknowledgement of sin. And there is a willingness there to, to receive this salvation. In, in, in receiving this, you realize how not worthy you are of this gift because of your current status as a sinner. So, I, does that help define at least the two ideas? I think so, because that's what the answer really boils down to, right? Like, what's the difference between the two and where does it all truly Where fall? does it do? And I think, you know, it, it comes down to repentance, believing, and, and just not throwing sides on this. We believe that, that Scripture is very clear that it is by faith alone. Because just as simple to say that saying the sinner's prayer isn't what just automatically saves you, Correct. Well, being baptized doesn't automatically save you. Correct. It's a baptism of the Holy Spirit in which you need, which you receive the moment you truly, in faith, do accept Christ, Correct. right? And so you don't have to have baptism in order to be sealed in the Spirit. That's a heresy. That's not biblical at all. But you also don't just say a prayer, go in front of the church, you know, whatever yeah, the it sinner's is, prayer and then is not, continue is not living biblical. your. That's why I love that point. You know, when Paul Washer always says that, you know, we this is how we have built the church. We go and say, hey, can I, you know, I just need five minutes of your time. That's all it takes. Yeah, come we, say this quick prayer. We've you're good to go. Boiled this down to five minutes of yeah. your time. You know, pass go, collect your $200, right? Like, that's what you got to do to have your get into heaven card, you know, but that's not at all what scripture says. And so you have those two extremes on both sides where one side is saying, you know, like you said, the Calvary chapels, heck, even looking up the doctrinal statement of the church we were raised in, it's garbage. And you look at that and it's just this quick, easy, come in, get your card stamped, you're good to go. We're not going to worry about, you know, repentance and how you're living your life. Everybody has their own, you know, take on it and it'll work itself out. That's not true. That's not biblical. But then you have the other side where I was told I had to believe, repent, get baptized, you know, right. go through all the steps. Well, that's not it either. Right. It's a true change of the heart. So it falls right in the middle of these of two doctrines. Both. Yeah, basically, which, like you said, was our podcast we just did. What if I don't feel safe? Right. You know, and we looked into that, so. Right. So, hopefully this answered the question. Hopefully you're not more confused. If you are, just message him and let him know. ap.brandongarcia at gmail.com. Yep. <laughs> Direct your questions to him, and we will do a follow-up question if so. Yep. All right. See you next time, everybody. Bye, guys.